Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Abner and Dale Wilkins dining here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Bet Online, AG1, Aura, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Walkenstein, the dust is settled. The emotions have been vented. The eyes have been turned to week two, essentially. And as one famous head coach who absolutely despised the media once said, we are on to the next one. This is me turning the page. I'm turning the page. Did you get that? Thank you for the visual representation of everything that I was saying. I'm sure nobody could have fully comprehended it without your example, Dan. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Welcome to Charges Unleashed. Again, we are a few days off of that disappointing loss, but like you said, uh, for the most part, we are on to Tennessee, game number two. This episode, Jake, I think we want to discuss where to go from here. You know, Maybe some lessons learned from that game against Miami, uh, things this defense may be able to look into moving forward, maybe some things for the offense to look forward to, and some things they can maybe take away from that Miami offense um, kind of get into, you know, the blame game, so to speak, uh, and also offer some perspective on how this team should look moving forward after going up against an offense like that. Uh, but Jake, before we get to that, let's talk about our friends over at aura. We'll be back in 45 seconds to get into all things, Los Angeles chargers perspective after that week one loss heading into week two at Tennessee. Have you ever Googled yourself and were shocked to see your personal information exposed on one of those public listing sites? <gasps> Data brokers are making a fortune selling your information to robocallers, spammers, and others who want to learn more about you, like where you live. We've been trying to reach you concerning your car's extended warranty. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, Aura. Aura can identify data brokers exposing your info and submit opt-out requests on your behalf. And brokers everywhere are legally required to remove your info if you ask them to, but they make it super hard to do. So let Aura handle that for you. You could try Aura for up to two weeks using this link that we're going to put up here on the screen. Aura also does so much more to protect you and your family from online threats that you cannot see. So make sure to check out Aura.com backslash Chargers Unleashed to get a 14-day free trial and see if your personal information has been leaked online. So, Jake, we're now in a week two. Uh, let's kind of start this thing off with roster news, the latest in terms of who's been at camp, injuries, that kind of stuff. Uh, some names that you wish were showcased there. Uh, Austin Eckler dealing with an ankle injury, also dealing with a super tragic uh, story from his agent who passed away. I believe he was battling cancer, uh, passed away kind of suddenly, tragically. Um, thoughts and prayers to him and his team. Like the, I, I can't imagine that you've heard it impact, but not only Eckler, but kind of the Chargers organization in total. Um, Eric Hendricks is also not at practice today. Joey Bosa is not at practice today. And Deion Henley, I don't believe, is there either. Nope. Same with I don't Chris think Rumpf. Chris Rumpf is there. So... No good news there. Again, how much of this is veteran rest day? How much of this is injury? How much of this is other? We'll find out. Um, I I don't want to speculate, but Jake, what do you make of those? (laughs) It's it's never good things to hear. I mean, you hear these sometimes early with players and you're like, okay, what, 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 what the hell just happened? Uh, And then it comes out later, you know, it was a veteran rest day or it's, 
you know, something Meyer, they still expect him to end up playing. Uh, who knows? It's just with the state of the Chargers just giving up one of their worst defensive performances in the last 20 years. And virtually all those names that you read off, Dan, are all defensive players and ones that are definitely going to contribute. Yeah, it does raise your eyebrows a little bit and make you hold your breath. So um, we'll see what takes place. If there is any updates uh, during the time of us recording this, obviously we'll keep you guys in the loop, but that is the latest as it stands right now for the first Chargers practice of the week. I will say, Jake, first off, shout out to Chargers fans and Chargers Unleashed uh, Truthful. Even after a loss, that episode we did, which was not fun, but that episode we did got more views after a loss than I think any other episode in the history of Chargers Unleashed after a loss, which is saying something considering it's only been like two days. So shout out to the truthful and the hopeful for things to improve. And that's kind of what we want to focus on today. So Jake, Maybe first question for you as we kind of get into perspective here. We've had a few days to kind of simmer, let the dust settle, sort of speak, like you said. What are some of the, I'll call it knee-jerk reactions or feelings that you had maybe right after the game or during the game that maybe now that we've kind of seen some stuff come through, uh, whether it's things that the offense was doing in Miami that maybe kind of caused some defensive fits for the Chargers, maybe some offensive success that we didn't really get to talk about as much. Like what are some of the bigger picture things that maybe you've been able to focus more on and kind of glean into more now that we've had some time? Well, I, I tweeted about this shortly after the game was over that basically the atrocity of the Chargers defense basically overshadowed everything that I thought that they did well offensively. And was it Justin Herbert out there lighting up the scoreboard? No, but it certainly was Kellen Moore doing that. And you know, sometimes you have games like this because the greatest thing about this, Dan, nobody has even mentioned Justin Herbert's name this week, <laughs> whether in a positive light or a negative light, and nor should they because it was kind of just a run-of-the-mill game. He threw for over 200 yards, had a passing touchdown to Donald Barham, run, ran one in himself. It was not one of his best games, but not for bad reasons. It's because the run game was so dominant for the Chargers that you didn't need Justin Herbert for that. So if we're going to open this up with a silver lining, what did we talk about all offseason in terms of just things in general that needed to approve? Well, the running game was one of those. The Chargers had one game last year, really. Actually, I take that back. Two games, if you want to take it from the, the Cleveland and then the Rams game mm. that were positive in terms of this run game helping out this team. And that's how you start off week one with Austin Eckler going off with Joshua Kelly going off for 91 yards over 200 plus rushing yards for your offense as a whole. That's a great start. That's a great start because to me, when you have a talent like Justin Herbert, while I know it's great to utilize him and what's this new version of Justin Herbert going to be like under Kellen Moore, you add in an actual running game to that facet to where Justin Herbert does not have to play Superman every game. I mean, look at this. The Chargers put up 34 points, and Justin Herbert was not the main focal point of that offense. The first drive that they got the ball back when it was a fumble from the Dolphins, literally on the Chargers' doorstep of, of the opposing end zone, they went 91 yards, and only two, two, two of those plays were a pass. The running game dominated that Dolphins' defense dominated it so if there's anything you can build off of it from a good standpoint is hopefully you keep that momentum going now, obviously we'll see what takes place with austin Eckler's injury 
I know he was on with Kay Adams yesterday. It didn't sound like it was anything that was going to be keeping him out for a significant amount of time. If anything, the only thing that's keeping him away from practice as it stands today, we'll obviously get more updates in the days to come. But the only things that are coming out, Dan, as you had mentioned, the unfortunate passing of his agent that is keeping him away from practice as it stands right now. But you still would feel confident that even if you went into this week with the way that Joshua Kelly performed, and you know you're going to have Isaiah Spiller, and obviously Elijah Dotson was active for the next game, that with this running scheme and the way that that offensive line was opening up holes, you'd feel pretty good. Now, you're not going to have the same 200-yard performance that you had (laughs) against the Dolphins when you go up against the Titans defense this week, but definitely in this running game, that was a great start to get off on. Yeah, and, and I would say Justin Herbert had a pretty darn good game, all things considered. Like, there were some things that he can work on, which we'll probably talk about here in a second, because like I said in the last episode, like, I don't absolve him and the offense from any blame. Like, there's still some to go to them. As much as the defense, like, hell no, obviously. But I guess maybe the last question on last week or last game for you uh, from, like, a negative standpoint, I guess, is we all talked about, like, how bad the defense looked. And, you know, we gave our flowers and roses to McDaniel and Tua and Tyreek and all of them. They deserved, like, it. They they deserved it. it. Was there any positives from that defensive performance that you can glean across the board? Like, honestly, like I'm trying, like, I was genuinely like going back to my, okay, Dan, how can I think of a positive, possible positive spin on this? Like, I, you, I just, I don't know if you can other than like, you can talk about the rushing defense, but like, was that just a matter of they didn't even need to? Like, you they don't didn't know. Need it. They didn't need it. Much like the Chargers didn't need the arm of Justin Herbert, Tua didn't even need a running game to put up that many points on the Chargers. And again, the one thing that everybody thought was going to be the Chargers' Achilles heel, you didn't even need it. You you didn't even need to get, what, what was it, around 60-some yards total that they had? You didn't even need that to put up 36 points on this Chargers' defense. And the sad part about it is, Dan, is, and you and I talked about this off-air, is that, look, Tua, is, Tua and McDaniel are not the first ones to come up with a scheme like this. Obviously, Tyreek Hill is a variable that everybody wishes that they could have on their team. But when you have pass rushers like the Chargers have and Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, Tom Brady used to do this to the Chargers all the time. West he Walker. and Belichick would specifically scheme to take those pass rushers out of the game with snap, Two seconds, ball is out. You oh, that was give him so an opportunity. Like you couldn't. the The closest that Joey Bosa and, and and company could get to Tom Brady at that point was if Tom Brady farted, and that was the only smell that you were going to get of Tom Brady that day. <laughs> so McDaniel and Tua came up with a perfect game plan and executed it to perfection, given what they had with Tyreek Hill and the speed, and they chose to let that go. And until someone was going to show them that they could stop it, which Brandon Staley obviously didn't, why the hell would you keep going away from what was working? So it's one of twofold, Dan. It's either Mike McDaniel and Tua just showed how you can beat the Chargers if they continue to cover that way, But it's more so, and this is one thing that we have talked about through the Chargers practices and training camp and whatnot, is I use the term very fluently, and it was respond. How are the Chargers defensively going to respond to this? How is Brandon Staley going to respond to this? Number one, because he has to. He has to. You cannot go out and have another historically bad defensive performance like that through the air. How are the players going to respond to that? Because there were plenty 
that did not have their best game as it relates to the show. Dan, you go back to what you were talking about fundamentally this entire offseason. Tackling. Tackling. Which looked great in practice, looked good in the preseason. And then when the rubber met the road, when it counted, there were missed tackles all over the place. So you have to improve in a multitude of different facets on that defense moving forward. You know, I, I don't know if this is a glass half full thing. I don't think it is. Uh, it is interesting that the first two weeks of the season, the Chargers basically get to go up against like the gauntlet of arguably best passing offense in the NFL. And then week two, oh, by the way, now you went up against arguably the best runner that we've seen in the NFL in quite some time and an incredible running run blocking team. It's a different game. It's a different game. And, you know, I think life comes at you fast. I know some people were perturbed by Sebastian Joseph Day's comments after the loss where he talked about, he was asked like, you know, the defensive performance and he kind of brought up like, well, how many yards rushing did they get? Like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see this week. So look, would I be surprised if the pass defense looks much better this week and the run defense looks much worse? No, I wouldn't <laughs> at all. I think this is a much bigger test for the interior than last week was. That's for sure. So I do think that there is some things to take away from this uh, that you can use constructively in this being last week. The game plan that Mike McDaniels had on offense was incredible and in innovative and one that I hope that not that Kellamore isn't innovative because obviously that's why he was brought in, but in a sense of getting the speed guys, which I talked about, I wish we would have seen more last week, getting the guys with speed and explosiveness, like in mismatches via motion, like you saw Mike McDaniels do with Tyreek Hill. I would love to see Kellen Moore kind of take some of those wrinkles and give that to Quentin, but more so Darius Davis, to be honest, even if you're not going to use him, have him run around like that and watch what happens to that defense. Cause we saw what happened to the Chargers defense. I like that. Uh, obviously I hope the Chargers just burn that game plan in terms of how to beat speed moving forward. Last week, secondary tackling was dreadful. Again, going up against Tyreek and going up against Waddle, a lot of people's will be. And specifically, pass defense in the middle of the field was dreadful. I hope those two things are lessons that this Chargers defense can learn moving forward. Um, we talked about not absolving Justin Herbert here for a second. The question I want to ask you, Jake, let's take a piece of, let's take a whole, we're getting to fall. Let's take pumpkin pie. Let's make a whole piece, a whole, Pumpkin pie, right? Let's play the blame game. That Chargers loss, how much of it do you place on Brandon Staley from like a coaching perspective, on the defensive players, and then Justin Herbert, which I'll get into that in a second. But if you had to put three slices of pie that make up the whole pie, percentages for each of this. Uh, you're probably looking at 50 to 60% is on Staley. Another 20 to 25% on the players because at the times when they did have Miami backed up in a third and long or hell, the fourth and seven situation, Derwin James had a great pressure that should have been a tackle in the backfield on a third down play that ended up being 
uh, third and short. Unfortunately, he just wasn't able to bring the running back down. But you had opportunities to get off the field defensively. Even as bad as you looked, you had those opportunities. And when push came to shove, unfortunately, you just didn't deliver when you had to. So, um, yeah, I put about 20 to 25% on the players because you just you have to clean that stuff up. Uh, I give it more to Staley from the standpoint of not making adjustments the entire game. That's hurting your players and not putting them in the best position or at least showing the offense something different. Best position, then, yeah. I think they put them in positions to fail all day long. I correct. Agree. And then the remainder I would give to Justin Herbert and Kellen Moore. Even though it's not a big percentage, I think probably the ones that stick out to me is obviously the unfortunate, the, the last the last drive, which isn't so much on Justin Herbert's. That was more from Vic Fangio just hitting fuck it and bringing his defensive blitz finally. And it, it got through, especially after a unfortunate intentional grounding call. But the one that leaked out to me, Dan, was JC Jackson gets a turnover, unfortunately runs it out of the end zone. But when the Chargers had a third and one, and you've been running the ball for six yards a clip all day, and you choose to go shotgun empty backfield, yeah. and it's almost a safety. I That one just puzzled me. I... I as, as good of a game as Kellen Moore, I thought, called to put up 34 points on that Dolphins defense, that was one moment where you just stand back and you're just like, what was that? What was that? So you're going to have to get more efficient in those key moments of that game and clean a couple things up. And like you said, Dan, as you were saying, you would have much rather gotten speed elements into it. I truly believe that this was all part of the game plan as it stands for Miami. Now, I have a lot more confidence because it's been proven from Kellen Moore's standpoint, especially during his time in Dallas, that you will see a different game plan from him, and he will adapt to the to the opponents that he is facing. So, quarter over quarter, half over half, game by game, hundred percent correct. And especially again, not just speculating here. If Austin Eckler does not end up playing, this game against Tennessee is going to have to be put on Justin's shoulders, Justin Herbert's shoulders. So Joshua Palmer being non-existent, you probably won't see that repeat itself as it did last week. You're probably going to see more of an air game as it should be out of this Chargers offense, and it's going to have to be. But I have more confidence in Kellen Moore to adapt. Brandon Staley still needs to show that he can do that. Yeah. You know, again, this is not taking away from the blame on the defense, which to your, I agree with you. Like the large majority of the blame the large majority goes to the defense. And I would agree with you. I think more probably goes to coaching than players. It's just a bad day in the office for that entire side. Go back to the Super Bowl last year. And I was talking to Brian Dyrud from LAFB, and he brought up a really good point. What was the score of that game? I think both those teams got in the 40s, and the Eagles were the best defense in the NFL. Putting up and got a 40-burger put on them. Like sometimes good offense beats good defense. And when that's ha- and when that happens, you need that rabbit out of the hat performance by your franchise quarterback when you're getting paid $50 million or 40, whatever it is. And for as bad as that defensive performance was, and it was bad, like historically bad. I, I get all that. For as bad as it was, the Chargers had the ball. With less than two, with almost two minutes left, two timeouts, two timeouts, and we're only down two points with a franchise quarterback and all of their weapons, all of their weapons. And he had to deliver. Sure, Vic Fangio dialed up blitzes, whatever. 
How many times have we seen the Chargers or any team dial up blitzes against some of these juggernaut offenses and these superhuman quarterbacks find a way? They They find a way. And so as much as we love Justin Herbert and we are so grateful he's a quarterback and he's incredible, there is that part of his game where sometimes he needs to just take it over regardless of the surroundings. And so that's why I give some blame to him because of that. Now, again, is it all of it? No. Is it most of it? No. Is it a, like I'm putting it in its place, but like he does have things that he can improve upon. So that's kind of all I'm getting at. So moving forward, like now we're talking Tennessee, right? Very different game. We're talking about a team that is very run heavy. We're talking about a defensive line that is absolutely insane. And we'll get to that when you get to the preview. But like those, there's a third three headed monster on defense that go crazy in the backfield against quarterbacks. This will be a very different test. And this movie will look very different. Is there anything in particular that you take away from week one that you think can translate to week two? It's weird because we didn't get a chance to see much of Justin Herbert, which I believe is what you're going to need to win this game because the defensive front of Tennessee is not letting 200-plus rush yards go up against them. So will the Chargers stay committed to the run? I'm sure they will. You have to have that facet of the game, and hopefully at some points or another have it be productive, but you're not going to have a performance like that. One thing I guess that you can say can that you can be encouraged by Good lord, does it feel good to have Rashawn Slater back? I thought Jamari. Oh, I thought you. Jam- I'm glad you brought him up. I'm glad you brought him up. I thought Jamari Sawyer played fantastic after making the switch to guard. Again, the holes that were opening up. In general, I thought the offensive line won the trenches for what they needed to do, and for, for a majority of the game, in terms of pass blocking and especially running blocking, I thought they did exceptionally well. So, you see the difference. What happens? when you have an all pro not on your team for a majority of last year and you do some reshuffling with some talent that you've invested in over the last couple of years around the offensive line, that's going to be something to build on for sure. But this is a different test. <laughs> this is Jeffrey Sivrin's in the middle. The Titans last week put up five sacks against the new Orleans saints. They're going to be tested in a different way than they were against Miami this week. So Kellen Moore is going to have to scheme for that. And you're basically going to have to figure out a way. I don't necessarily say that you're going to own the trenches. It's going to be more no. of a, like a heavyweight type of fight where it may, you, you know, it may win some, you may lose some. But if you see any semblance in this, it's like, we okay, where is the aerial offense that we have all been waiting to see? It's coming. It's coming. And we're talking about the versatile attacks where Kellen Moore can say, screw it. Whether it's Gerald Everett, whether it's Darius Davis on an end around, whether it's Joshua Palmer, whether it's Keenan Allen, whether it's Mike Williams, who cares? Find a way to spread that defense out and just give Justin Herbert a multitude of different weapons to go after. I don't want to say that week one's offense was conservative, but I do believe that that was the most conservative you will see this offense look all season because of the defense it was going up against. Like that... And and I I had warned off I had warned Chargers fans going into that game that for those looking for rainbows and deep shots all day long like that wasn't the game for it this game kind of is for sure absolutely and you brought up the Titans defense guys like they are 
damn good. I'll put some stats to this real quick. Jake, Danico Autry, Arden Key, Jeffrey Simmons. Those three players alone. Yes. 19 of the 24 total pressures last week came from those three. All five of the sacks came from those three against Derek Carr last year. Last week, excuse me. And one of the things that you're going to see this defense versus last defense, this defense versus Tennessee versus last defense of Miami, this defense tackles. This defense actually tackles. Can't say that about the Chargers defense yet, but yeah. The one thing I will say that I think hopefully gives some Chargers fans some hope <laughs> moving forward is speed absolutely kills this Chargers defense. And you could argue speed probably kills most defenses. But against this team specifically, speed kills. They don't have, they being Tennessee, do not have Tyree Killer, Jalen Waddle walking through that door. I think looking at guys like Traylon Burks, looking at guys like DeAndre Hopkins, uh, what's the other receiver? I think it's Whiteside, Westbrook, be kind. Like the matchup between those three, what the Chargers went up against week one, night and day. So we talked about this is much more going to be a trench game inside. I think this secondary is going to look much better. And that's not just me being the positive, you know, the the optimistic guy. Like, is these it are more so, Darren, Is it more so that it may just be by default? Because this is the game where, in could, my yeah, opinion, yeah, it's a little bit of both, probably. Where this is the game, in my opinion, where you may have to put all of those fears to rest from 2022 when your team, or specifically your defense, was giving off 40 plus runs literally felt almost every week because now you have Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears to worry about. And the offensive line for the Titans, which historically has been a problem, they actually performed pretty damn well. Rookie Peter Skaronsky looked pretty damn good. Um, their right tackle, Chris Hubbard, looked pretty damn good. So the Chargers are going to have to figure out a way to own that side of the line. And while they, they weren't tested in the running game much against Miami, they're damn sure going to be tested this, this time. Yeah, and, and again, there there are things that this Titans defense is good and bad at, which again, we'll get to. Uh, overall, the defense for the Titans isn't great, but that front is great. So if they can figure out a way to kind of contain that and to minimize that, like they'll be fine. Pass blocking isn't really good for this Titans offense. Run blocking obviously is. And the one thing that I do want to see Chargers fans and the Chargers players defense specifically is this is going to be another one of those tackling games it's, the titans feast have to be the titans feast especially like obviously in the run game but on passing downs like the titans like five to ten yard area but specifically in the middle that's where they throw the most and that is where guys like kenneth murray reside that's where Eric Hendricks is. That's where you'll see some of the safeties who did not play in corners, who did not tackle well last week. And just for context, if you if nobody was watching the Titans and Saints game last week, Derrick Henry again doing Derrick Henry things just with another posterization of the defender just get off of me and with a vicious stiff arm just throwing him to the ground. So <laughs> the Chargers are going to have to be swarming anytime that he gets the ball because one person is just not going to bring him down. I agree. I agree. So anything else, Jake, that we wanted kind of as we turn the page, as we talked about 
like we're going to get to the game preview, but I think now with the dust being settled, I think we can all acknowledge that yes, the defense played terribly, but that offense in Miami is pretty darn good. And Mike McDaniel was pretty darn creative and the Chargers offense looked pretty darn good. And if we're looking at this in totality, I think the two things that the Chargers fans were most hoping for this season, improving the run defense and improving the offense scoring points specifically. One of those things so far resoundingly checkbox. One of those things through week one, big question mark or X. We don't it's re- know. It's really going to be seen this week. Yeah. So it's really going to be seen. This these week. next two, three weeks, I think are going to be key for assessing where this chargers team goes this year. And if changes need to get made, I'm not talking like big changes. I'm not talking firing of coaches or anything, but I'm talking like things that can change roster wise, schematic wise, play calling wise, like all of that kind of stuff. These next few weeks, I think will determine that. And I think that there's key to what you're saying there, Dan, because I know you're preaching a little bit of patience as it regards to certain things. And we'll dive into this more when we go into the game preview, but just as a open opinion, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I don't think that the Chargers can afford to go 0-2 this week. Not against AFC conference opponents. You can't do that to yourself. So you're obviously, I'm sure that the, the defense had a lot of film to watch this week. And hopefully from a game planning schematic thing, whatever you want to call it, Brandon Staley is going to have to turn things around extremely quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and quite simply, playoff teams, contenders, they beat teams they're supposed to beat. Period. Like the Dolphins game, if we're being honest, like that's a coin flip game. Those we knew that was good. Yeah. Be, those we, teams we said were that before. pretty evenly matched. <laughs> it was going to be a gunfight, and it was. This game, Chargers should absolutely win. And win, I don't want to say easily, but the score should indicate an easier win than maybe the game actually is. Like the Chargers team is 100% better than this Titans team, period. So, Jake, I think that'll do it for this one. Um, fun time. Congrats to all the winners for the giveaways these last few days. I'm going to be shipping those out to all of you this week. Uh, Keenan Allen signed mini helmet. We've got a Quentin Johnson jersey getting sent out as well. Uh, we have another one, Jake, coming up here that I think is going to be a beast of a giveaway that might be the best one we've done yet. And I'm calling it better than the Justin Herbert signed one, by the way. That's wild to say. We got something coming for you, Chargers fans. So appreciate you guys tuning in with us, staying with us. For Jake Hefner, Dan Wilkenstein, Chargers Unleashed. We'll talk to you guys next on the next one. See ya.